Hello, Coffee Nuts. It's time again for Films Over Coffee. A caffeinated conversation on all things movies and TV. I'm Jared, the sound guy for Over Coffee Films. And I'm Adam, the head writer for Over Coffee Films. And today we're here to talk about the top five sci-fi movies of all time. Of all time. I, I notice, uh, I, it's really great. I see you've got a Dutch Brothers coffee cup there. I, so you're having some iced coffee today. That's, that's great. Uh, um, not, not so much iced coffee as much as it's iced uh, tea. Uh, you know, why don't you go back to communist England, all right? Go, go use the metric system. Okay. Tea's pretty good stuff, man. We threw that stuff overboard. And I think I think literally dozens of our listeners will agree with me. <laughs> hey, hey, you ever hear of the Boston Tea Party? Okay. <laughs> we uh we in America rejected that stuff. Well there was a there's a little known Boston coffee party, but uh it just didn't get the headlines because of the uh the uh coffee um uh, embargoes. <laughs> well, I think what happened is everyone went, went to go toss it overboard, but they decided to have a few cups, and then it just became a, <laughs> just a caffeinated affair. <laughs> yeah. So we're talking about the top five sci-fi movies of all time. Now, when you think about, because you know we make these lists independently, and yep. I'm curious to see what you've got. Yep. Uh, but when, when you were thinking about this list, what what do you think about when you think about sci-fi movies? What makes a good sci-fi, and how do you define a sci-fi movie? Well, sci-fi movie definition is a it's a it's a little tricky because I mean, for some. Uh, by by kind of your standard definition, it's anything that's uh, not occurring in real life. I mean, if you look at the Rotten Tomatoes list of 100 sci-fi films, you're going to see some stuff on there like Mary Poppins. Um, well, I think their list is sci-fi and fantasy. I think, sci-fi I think they bunch them together. So to me, a science fiction film is, is uh, something with, you know, a little more technology in it, a little uh, not necessarily believable, but I mean, uh, a lot of these are set in the future. That's true. Um, there's often a futuristic element. Yeah. Um, and just, uh, you know, different, uh, I mean, space stuff kind of falls in there, too. I think, for me, it's like a, it's a human, it, you know, it has to continue to be a human drama, and there's usually at least one thing, and often one thing, uh, one scientific thing uh, that, you know, uh, is central to the plot, uh, and whether it's a discovery or, and it's often metaphorical for something. So, uh, so you made a list of five. I made a list of five. Yep. I considered making a list of two, considering our, the handicap. You know, right? Yeah. Right. But uh, no, I made five as well. Yeah. And was this a hard list for you? A little bit. Um, I I do love science fiction films. So uh, one of the hardest parts was picking the best science fiction films. Right. Right. So top five was you know a little bit difficult. You know, I I, I also. I really enjoyed making this list. There were a couple things I wanted to put on it, but I just couldn't quite define them as sci-fi. Yeah, me so too. So I, I had to, to work with that. Uh, but, you know, I feel like I have a good list. I think my list is uh, yours is going to be forgotten. Mine will be remembered forgotten. through yeah. the eons. Yeah. Uh, now, we should point out that just because it's old doesn't mean it's good. There's a lot of old things that are bad. I have one newish movie. Newish. It's, it's newish. Um, yeah. Which was which was invented first, your uh, your movie or the iPhone? I I think the I uh, I think the iPhone existed. <laughs> I, All right. I don't I don't All remember. Right. I, I don't know. I'll have to look into that. <laughs> okay. No guarantee. You uh you know you yeah. millennial types. Uh, <laughs> but anyway. Uh, all right, well, why don't, we, why don't we kick it off? What's your number five well, greatest and, sci-fi movie and, of all time? And just to throw this in there, I did throw you a bone on, a, on one of these. I put in an uh, old movie in there as well. So I'm curious to see what you think is an old movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, it's really old. The I, question is, was I alive when this happened? If I, if it, if I am, yes. then it's not that old. Yeah. Because yeah, uh, oh, I'm, I'm not old. It's old I'm en- not old. It's old enough. Oh, all right. Old enough. All right, number five, Terminator 2. 
Terminator T two T two. I watched Terminator one, and I I did think that was a great movie. Advance the plot. The cool thing about Terminator one is they show the actual metal robots more, mm-hmm. and that's that's fun. I, I mean, with the exception of the first like four minutes of T two, where it's just the robots killing people in the future, which robot is an awesome scene. That may be one of the coolest like robot scenes in any film. It's ever. pretty badass. Yeah, um, James Cameron directed that one. James as well. Cameron directed yeah. that. Yeah. And, and that's uh, the interesting story behind that was that that was what he felt like the end of his story was. So pretty much anything directed after that was not directed by um, James Cameron. It, and people talk about the canon of Terminator, the Terminator world, and some of the stuff kind of falls out of line there's after no, that. There's no Terminator world in my opinion. There's there's Terminator, Terminator Two. That's it. That's where it ended. Let's let's leave it at that. But uh, built a huge a huge cult belief about kind of a machine apocalypse, and may have stopped. Uh, a belief like that, like I, I'm fully of the of the belief that if we can show how absurd it is on film, it may not happen. Well, I I, I agree and disagree with you. I think you know you could make an argument that Metropolis in 1927 also made the same argument, a German film. Um, you you could argue that. You now could. it's not quite the same as as Terminator 2. I I mean I like T2. I would say it's uh, very watchable. I think it's a very bad sequel. I think it doesn't follow the rules of the first movie. Okay. So it's a it's a better movie, but a bad much sequel. Much better movie, yeah. Yeah, it's a much better movie, but a, a bad sequel because well, I feel like it it violates its own. The rules other thing too about Terminator Two is it really pushed the um, the technology at the time. A lot of my yeah. movies do that. Like if you look at a lot of this list, um, one of the one of the I guess criteria for me was that it it really pushes the filmmaking technology at the time. Well, I mean, I think that's so. I, I I don't hate the pick, uh, but I I don't have it on my list. All right. Uh, What's your number five? My number five, it, it actually, similarly, it pushed te- technology of the time in its 2001 A Space Odyssey. Okay. Now, I am famously a huge fan of Stanley Kubrick films. He's my favorite director. Actually, the reason it's number five on this list, and a lot of people would put it much higher, is actually my least favorite Stanley Kubrick film, yeah, or one of agreed. my least favorites. Agreed. And the reason is not that it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It is. It's gorgeous. It yeah. looks like, you know, those shots on the moon and some of the space shots, they look like they could be shot today. They're that That's good. Yep. And they had none of the computer technology. I mean, it's just, it's, it's amazing what he got done. But my issue with uh, 2001 is the story. It suffers from a story perspective. The entire time yeah. I watched uh, 2001, I go, wow, Stanley Kubrick's a great director. And that's what I'm doing the whole time. But I had to put it on this list because it was so influential in terms of how space was shot, how sci-fi mm-hmm. was shot. It really uh, broke some boundaries. And, I, you know, obviously he recorded the moon landing famously. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, everybody knows that. <laughs> um, now, if you're going to say that, though, what would you say – give me one example of a film that's been directly inspired by that. I mean, I think that Star Wars, I would argue, is uh, – you know, uh, took a lot from – and Star Trek. If you watch uh, Star Trek The Motion Picture, which came out, I think, four years later, okay. I mean, they, they literally, like, lift shots. Not very well, because <laughs> right. Star Trek The Motion Picture is not very good. But yeah. there, you can see um, – like that scene where the Millennium Falcon in, uh, in A New Hope goes into the Death Star is very reminiscent of a scene in 2001. Yeah. So I think that it was really – if you think about it, it was the first great space um, movie. And I have to give it credit. I don't want to because it's, it's, it's just not one that I really love. But sure. I think it's just – it's too perfect okay. visually. All What's right. your number four? My number four is this uh, the the classic film I was talking about, uh, Ghostbusters. You mean the one with uh, Kristen Wiig and uh... 
That is absolutely not what I mean. Oh, oh. I think you know that. I well, frankly, as someone who only watches new movies, I was unaware there was right. even a Ghostbusters back in the yeah, day. There was a there was a second one too. Oh yeah, that one Lord wasn't... Vigo. Lord Vigo stole the second movie, man. I mean, <laughs> Lord Vigo was where it was at. But no, I mean Ghostbusters, and it. The thing I love about Ghostbusters is it was it was a comedy, and because of who they cast and how they cast the film, it it almost made sci-fi more acceptable. Yeah, I mean, I I like Ghostbusters. I I think the thing I miss most about Ghostbusters is one of uh, you know, Rick Moranis started to phase out. Then I remember his wife died, yeah. and and you know he hasn't really been in films since like the early nineties. Yeah, and I I miss Rick Moranis. I did too. Come back, Rick. He he did um, those Honey I Shrunk the Kids ones and then disappeared right after that. I think. Yeah, I think maybe yeah. in Little Giants he was in that too. Oh, he was in Little um, Giants. Yeah. But yeah, I miss Rick Moranis. He was uh, a good actor. He was a good actor. Okay, I mean, I I like Ghostbusters. It's a fun movie. I won't really argue. I like the notion of this sort of comedy blend with sci-fi. You don't see that too much, no. uh, especially in non-parodies. Um, yes, yes, that's a, that's a pretty good argument. Yeah. I, I I think and that also pushed the technology at the time too. I mean, you saw a lot of. Like the, uh, I mean, just a lot of the special effects on there uh, still hold up today. I mean, if you watch that movie now, you can tell it's dated, but it's not like Jason and the Argonauts dated. Yeah, I heard someone argue that the special effects in the old one are actually better than the new one. Uh, and I, I, <laughs> I can see that. Wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Uh, shall we get to my number four? Let's go to number four. My number four. This is my new one. You're going to be so proud of All me. Right. This is made in this millennia. Newish. Uh, yeah. Newish. Uh, is Minority Report. Minority Report. I love Minority Report. Steven it's, Spielberg directed that. Yes, Steven Spielberg. Film. It has uh, Tom Cruise. Colin Farrell's best movie, in my opinion, has Max von Sydow. Shout out to Max von Sydow. Max von Sydow. <laughs> Call us. Yeah, I, I love Max. And we'd, work, um, we'd work with him any day of the week. And, you know, it was written by Philip K. Dick. And the thing about mm-hmm. Philip K. Dick in Hollywood, he's got like sort of a mixed, um, mixed history because, you yeah. know, he's had a lot of movies done, some really good ones like Total Recall. Uh, was Philip K. Dick. Yep. Then there were some really bad ones like Paycheck. Uh, there, have been, you know, there there have been like he's he's actually had a lot of movies. I loved made. Paycheck, but it, it does not qualify as a good film. No, any stretch of the imagination. No, no. So, but Minority Report is a great sci-fi film. It works with that one bit of technology that allows people to predict crimes before they happen, sort of thing. Tom Cruise is great. Steven Spielberg did a wonderful job directing this film. Tom Cruise is serviceable in this. Like, can you, I mean, honestly, could you, I mean, would this film be any worse if you replaced Tom Cruise with any other marginal actor at the time? I think so. And here's why. I I think that this one required a good leading man, a la uh, Charlton Heston in Soylent Green or something like that. And I think that Tom Cruise, as much as he's an easy joke and he's sort of weird and irritating sometimes. He is a good leading man. You know, everything he's in, you just kind of love him. And I would say that um, Cruz did a really nice job, and Spielberg worked with him well. I think that you couldn't just – I think you might be able to replace him with other leading men. Like if you, like, replace him with, I don't know, um, Harrison Ford or something. Of right. course, he was old at that point. Yeah. But I would say uh, Cruz – this is one of my favorite Tom Cruise mm-hmm. movies. Uh, not my favorite, but one of them. Uh, Minority Report, that is one of my favorite sci-fis, and I think it's an underrated one. I think people, if, if you haven't watched it in a while, give it a rewatch. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and in fact, um, one of the movies that almost made my list was another Tom Cruise one, a newer one called um, Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah. Um, d- just because Tom Cruise, um, he plays the action star pretty well, but this is it, it had a little bit more of a comedy twist to it. But, I mean, he can... When he gets in the right situation, he can really act. I know. It's weird. He's so odd, but he's so damn likable. Damn it. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to like him, but I do. Yeah. 
I mean, but aren't you proud of me for picking a newer movie? I mean, I am, I am, but I figured I, you would. I, be. I feel like I get, I should get the same respect for picking a, a real old classic like Ghostbusters. That is not old. It's, it, I'm, I'm older than Ghostbusters. So if that's an old classic, what am I? Well, uh, okay. I mean, am I archived material? A little bit. A yeah. Little bit. Oh, I see. That's, well, that's. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go home and cry about that. <laughs> uh, all right. We, we've, we've shown my superior. Uh, four and five, and now and and you're inferior. Right. Maybe you'll make up with it at number three. What is your number three greatest sci-fi movie of all time? All right, based based on kind of what we've talked about, the criteria. I, I feel like say, you're are you hedging. Are you hedging? Are you qualifying? Bit. No. Um, I think Looper. Looper. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Bruce Willis. Oh. Arguably one of Bruce Willis's better films. I mean, he, he's kind of a. A, a stone in most films like yeah, i mean you could replace him with a good-looking rock in in most of his stuff but yippee-ki-yay mr falcon <laughs> yeah that one that one is good yeah um but i mean looper was a fantastic film first joseph gordon levitt was really good um you had uh supporting actors like paul dano who is extremely underrated in almost everything i he's do in. like paul dano i mean know? that guy gets so much respect from me he's just a, a okay truly great actor. i don't give a lot of respect to i'm i am not the joseph gordon levitt fan that a lot of people are right. i don't i don't get it but yeah. continue with but he your was good in this and um uh directed by uh ryan johnson who's directing the next uh star wars film yeah we'll see how that turns but, out but um this one this film really redefined the time travel genre i mean it really made you look at the it made you look at the timeline a lot more mm-hmm. than most uh, sci-fi films are. The other thing that um, it goes completely unnoticed in this film is that to make um, a little bit of a spoiler word here, um, Bruce Willis plays an older Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Right, right. I mean, I'm not sure how they picked those two out of a lineup to be the same, but I don't know. what they ended up doing is they ended up blending using CG effects. They blended um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's mouth to look more like Bruce Willis's. So if you watch the film, take a look at Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and it's all it's all CG. But he's um, they've they've um, um, CG'd his face to make him look more like Bruce Willis, so that the characters play together, and that's something you really haven't seen done. I mean, that's a it's a, a cool piece of technology used on that. Um, uh, Emily Blunt was great in that. Um, I do like Emily Blunt. Good storyline, good plot. Yeah. Um, I, I I thought it was really well done. I feel like this is one of those movies. You know, one of the reasons I like classics is that they will live on. You know, like 50 years from now, you know, are you going to remember this film? And that's one of the things, criteria I look at. And I look at, you know, Ghostbusters will probably be remembered. Terminator 2, good chance. Looper, not a chance. I think Looper will. You think so? I think so? Looper will, yeah. I don't because think Because so. it was a well-done film. Now, and, yeah. and see, here's the thing is that when you're digging into the classic films, um, the, the one criticism I have is that for every classic film you pull out of the vault as great – there were dozens of films made that just sucked and disappeared into oblivion. Well, you're right, and that's one so. of the beauties of watching classic film is that you have the filter of history. So You do, but when you're watching classic film, you're only watching the best of the best. Not necessarily. When you're watching modern films, You can I absolutely mean, do deep dives, uh, and there's some wonderful deep dive stuff. You know, uh, like the what is the Hyperion collection and things like okay. that. There's some stuff that's really amazing that people generally don't hear about. And I feel like nowadays, what's interesting, even the well-known things, a lot of people haven't seen. Um, so I think that it's kind of a work to reclaim the past. You have to sort of remember that there was some a lot of stuff was done before and done really well, right? Um, with amazingly small amount of technology or money. So it's, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. All right. What's your number three? All right. Well, my number three is much better than yours. Uh, obviously yeah. I think, mm-hmm. uh, is sure. 1933's 1933's the, old movie. The invisible man the starring invisible Claude man. Rains. Um, 
that to me is a fantastic when you think about those old like sci-fi horror movies uh in that era when you have like because that was the era of dracula frankenstein the mummy blah 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 actually the universal monsters yeah my favorite of them is the invisible man of course based on hg wells's novel um who's uh arguably the first sci-fi writer some would say probably you know frankenstein was the first sci-fi i disagree with that but um but the Invisible Man, it's it's really great. The story is fantastic. Uh, the, you know, they have the whole invisibility thing. It doesn't feel that campy. It seems real. Yeah. Um, it isn't. You know how like with CG when it's badly done, you can just tell. It looks like a cartoon on yeah. screen. Yeah. And you know, a lot of classic film when they did special effects, as much as they tried their best, it does feel that way. And that, I don't usually judge them too harshly for that. Yeah. But in this case, it felt pretty real. And like, man, it's it's intense. It's a it's a great story. It's funny at times. I really love The Invisible Man. It's one of my favorites, and I think it's a it's a classic sci-fi film. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with you here. I mean, it it's it, it's very well done for what it is, and um, it it holds up really, really well. Yeah, a lot of those like The Wolfman does not hold up well. No, it's, it's a no, terrible not movie, at all. sadly. Yeah. All right, so now we're down to our last two greatest. I, I hope that your last two oh, make up mine for the rest. Are awesome. All right, all right. Well, let's hear your number two: Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Another one of those so comedy. Long, thanks for all the fish. <laughs> another one of those. Another <laughs> one of those great comedy. Um, comedy sci-fi films. I yeah, mean, it's it's true to the book, which I really like. Yeah, the, the book is fantastic, but this is it's very true to it, and it's it's fun. I mean, it's got a it decent cast, and um, Zoe Deschanel was in that. She was most um, deaf. Uh, and who played the robot? Uh, Alan Rickman, yeah. arguably Alan Rickman's greatest role ever. And Alan Rickman is a great actor and great stuff. But I mean, him, we miss you, Alan. The yeah, I do too. But the depressed robot is is Jeez. absolutely hilarious. You know what my favorite scene in that movie is? Is that when they're reading the poetry, the horrible poetry? Yeah. <laughs> like, and yep. that's uh, the aliens. That was that. It's it's a good movie. I it really is. like yeah. it. But so. it makes your top two sci I mean, I guess yes. here's the thing. You often bring up these movies that I like, that I'm like, okay, yeah, I like that movie. And I enjoyed Hitchhiker's Guide. I got to see it like in a pre-screening. It was cool. Oh, yeah. I got like a yeah. weird ticket. <laughs> and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. My, my issue is the sort of like, how in your mind, how you categorize some of these things. So when you think of Hitchhiker's, like... When you think this is the number two sci-fi movie of all time, like that... That's what baffles me sometimes. It's putting a lot of pressure on it, but I, I really think that one's going to hold up. I think in 50, 7,500 years, you're still going to have people going, hey, check out this really funny little cult film I found. So you think, yeah, you think yeah. it's going to become a cult it's classic? Gonna, it's going to hold up. Okay. Yeah. okay. Especially, and the same with my number one choice in, in that same criteria is my number one choice will definitely hold up to the test of time. Okay. All right. So, I won't argue with that. Adam, That's what's your number two? My number two is, I think, the greatest uh, space opera ever made. Uh, it is... Yeah, it's it's it's. I, I am a big Star Trek fan, and there is no greater Star Trek fan film than Star Trek II: The Wrath of Wrath Khan. Of Khan. Uh, I don't know about that. I uh, Ricardo Montalban is so good as Khan. It is. He's a good actor. Yeah. It, the plot in that one is really solid with the Genesis device. It's it's intense. It's a it's a Moby Dick sort of storyline. Yeah. I mean, and uh, man, that is just such. A pitch perfect Star Trek movie. I don't think uh, the, no, none of them have captured that quite the same. And any Trekkie sure. fan generally will feel the same way. Star Trek Two is kind of the classic, right? Um, yeah. And so I I can't leave it off this list. I mean, I think it's an obvious one, which I almost left right. it off the list because I'm yeah. like, well, this is kind of obvious. Everyone loves Star Trek Two, yeah. but it has to be on the list. It isn't my number one. 
But it is my second favorite and what I think is the second best sci-fi film of all time. Do you think it's going to hold up in 50 years, though? I mean, Absolutely. is that going to be the one that people people look at and watch? I mean, is the Star Trek franchise itself going to hold up in 50 years? Well, I mean, it's already been, what, uh, 40 years? Okay. I mean, it's so when you, when you look at the movies, I mean, I think Star Trek, the motion picture, well, first of all, the Star Trek series came out in 1966, so it has been 50 years from that. Yeah. Um, and then the motion picture came out, I think, in 1970, 71, something like that. Okay. So, you know, we're talking about, maybe it was... Was it nineteen? It might have been nineteen eighty, actually, not seventy. It was nineteen eighty, but um, I believe. But uh, you know, but it's, it, these things have been around for a long time. They've stood the test of time, and I think Star Trek Two, um, whether it's to casual fans or you know the hardcore Trekkie fans, it holds up as the best. And I just think it has sort of that classic element. It doesn't rely too much on sort of dated, you know, computer graphics like Star right. Trek the motion picture does. So yeah. that one doesn't hold up well at all. But Star Trek Two uh, has more practical effects. I think it's it's a stronger story, and uh, the fact that they basically remade it in in uh, Star Trek Beyond, not yeah. Beyond, uh, Into uh, Darkness, Into Darkness, tells you that the story is good. Yeah, interesting. And, yeah. Okay. So now, well, and I will say this: I'll throw this out there before we before we get to our number one picks. We did uh, intentionally leave the Star Wars series off of this. Um, yeah, yeah. We, we decided that was that. more about fantasy than sci-fi. It is more of a space fantasy, and it functions more on a fantasy level. I thought about putting Empire on here, yeah. and I was really torn. Yeah. And uh, I know you thought about it uh, one of the yeah. movies as well. I mean, but I, I really Attack think... of the Clones was the was the best one. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> uh, it was it's the newer films, man. The newer films are where uh, it's at. No. Well, but it, it's true. Like it, it, yeah. it does function uh, story level more like uh, fantasy. So, yeah. uh, what is your number one greatest sci uh, sci fi film of all time? All right. No pressure. Number one, The Matrix. The Matrix is gonna hold up to the test of time. It's. I mean, it, it just really okay. is. Um, they really pushed the technology. It had a. It had a really That's good storyline. Um, yeah. But I mean the. The technology that it created, and I'm going to give it this. I'm going to I'm going to call this the rebirth of science fiction, because wow. you didn't have a lot of stuff in that period of time. Matrix was released in ninety six, ninety seven. Uh, I thought it was a little later, but right around the yeah. late nineties. Yep. Yeah, late nineties. You didn't have a lot of stuff then that that hit that sci fi genre, and you you can look at how many science fiction films came after that. Mm. Um, yeah, I guess there was kind remakes, of but... a break between the eighties had a lot of sci fi, yep. and it kind of went away for a lot of the 90s. And and the science fiction you had in the early 90s... That's a good point. ...was the action science fiction. You had like your stuff like your Demolition Man and... Um, yeah. Yeah, they uh, were they functioned more like an action movie than a sci-fi. Yeah. yeah. And this, this really you. brought back the science fiction. I mean, it had, it had its action points, but it was a science fiction true to the end there. What about Star Trek VI? Star Trek VI. That came out in the 90s. Yeah, I'm sure Hey, I like Star Trek VI. Hey. Um, well, all right, what's your number one pick? Well, first of all, I would like to say I really like your pick there. Yeah. I... I think that I would I would have had the Matrix on my own list if not for the second and third films. They they kind of ruined the first one for me a little bit. I can um, see that. But I like the pick. I think the Matrix is a really important film. And I will say this: I don't think the series is going to hold up. I don't think the series will stand the test of time. But the first one. But will. the first one will. I agree. It's an excellent same, same way with movie. Star Trek Two. Okay. Like some of those are going to fall away, but Star Trek Two will probably. I agree stand with the you. Test of yeah. Time. Yeah. Agreed. Um, all right, my number one number of one all pick. time, Godzilla. Godzilla. Well, and you can make an argument. Uh, it's really two films, okay? And I think this is a really interesting point. In 1954, Gojira was made by the Toho mm -hmm. Studios. Now, and then in 1956, the Americanization of this film came out called Godzilla, King of Monsters. King of Monsters. Now, 
the cool thing about that is they adapted a foreign film in a way that really hasn't been done that much, and I really love how they did it. They basically shot Perry Mason as uh, not Perry Mason, the guy who played Perry Mason. Uh, uh, I I forget his name. Yeah. But anyway, he so he was um, he played an American reporter in Tokyo at the time, and they spliced filming of him in with the film. So, like, it comes from an American perspective. I thought that was really interesting. A lot of people don't like that. I actually like both, and I think they're both really good. But here's why Godzilla is my number one. I would say it is the most important sci-fi film of all time, and here's why. Think about this. You're in Japan, the only country that has been nuked ever. You know, two nuclear bombs have been dropped in 1945. We're nine years removed. Which means they were probably seven to eight years removed from the beginning of production of this. Yes. And Toho Studios makes this fantastic allegory for nuclear war in, in, uh, in the character of Godzilla. He's an unstoppable force. Tokyo is destroyed. The popula- population centers are gone. It's a fantastic and brilliant film by a country that's basically been destroyed. Yeah. And I think that... I love the Godzilla franchise. Now I think that there have been many bad ones. Yes. I actually wrote a, a blog post on overcoffeefilms.com about yeah. the upcoming movie uh, Godzilla Resurgence and how I'm excited about it. And it's why I think Americanized, Americanized versions of Godzilla don't work because that it, it remains to this day that Japan is the only country that's had nuclear bombs yeah. you know, dropped on it. Yeah. And so I think it's still an important storyline, and I love Godzilla. Great story. You know, those, that original one is right. really good. Yes. I mean – is the monster suit a little hokey? Yeah. A little bit, but it's still, it still it holds up more than a lot of other things. Jason and the Argonauts, I'm still talking to you. <laughs> well, I just think, you know, when I think about, like, the ambition of the movie and the rhetoric and what it's doing, yeah. Godzilla is number one to me. I think, you know, I, when I think it, about Godzilla, it's kind of heartbreaking. It's more important than just a science fiction film. It it's is. It's more important than the monster. And right. That's, that's, uh, that's something that's very important. And when you think about, like, especially in, in film, that sort of trademark Japanese artifact, I think. You know, you can go with a Kira Kurosawa film, stuff like that. But Godzilla, to me, is that one that just snubs its nose at the West and calls it out. And I think it's brilliant. Yep. And uh, I really – Godzilla is my number one sci-fi of all time. Yeah, I won't – you know, I won't argue with you on that one. They, it was fantastic, fantastically done. So – I mean, that's kind of what we got. Let us know what we got right. Let us know what we got wrong. Um, check us out on uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter. We're at Over Coffee Films and uh, www.overcoffeefilms.com. Yeah, and if you have any suggestions for upcoming podcasts or lists you'd like us to make yes, or absolutely. You know, about TV or film, or if you have any questions about filmmaking, we'll happily answer them. And also, right now, if you're not much of a YouTube person, you're more into podcasts, you can find us now on iTunes, Stitcher, and tune in radio. Yep. Um, and so you can find our stuff there. And so subscribe there. Absolutely. So uh, for uh, Over Coffee Films and Films Over Coffee, I'm Jared the Sound Guy. And I'm Adam the Writer. All right. We'll see you next week. Adios. Films Over Coffee.